0: interaction with patients outside the clinic is becoming more important every day to, to help patients uh, prepare for and recover from uh, acute uh, tests and procedures, but also uh, with ongoing care for chronic illnesses.
1: You're listening to Health Pilots,
0: where we interview people pursuing new
1: solutions to healthcare in low-income communities. In spite of significant challenges, our guests are passionate and relentless in doing things in a new way. In each episode, you'll hear how they use techniques from design thinking, how they work with tech startups, and how they create a culture of innovation in their organization. Every interview offers practical advice and new ideas you can apply today. I'm your host, Chris Conley. Welcome to Health Pilots, and thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Conley, your host of Health Pilots. Today, I'm joined by Bob Quinn, founder and CEO of 22 Otters. Welcome, Bob. Thank you for joining us on Health Pilots. Glad to be here. So it would be great uh, to get started to hear a little bit about your background. Um, tell us about yourself and your journey to founding 22Otters.
0: Uh, sure, Chris. Um, well, let's see. Um, I, I founded the company nearly three years ago. And then before that, I was an entrepreneur in residence at uh, Kozla Ventures, uh, a venture capital firm in Menlo Park, California. Uh, and then uh, prior to that, I was chief technology officer at Hippocrates, uh, which is a mobile health uh, company um, that some folks in the audience may know of. Uh, so I was at Hippocrates for eight years and then prior to that spent um, uh, longer than I care to re- to, to admit as a, uh, a technologist in Silicon Valley. Um, before before my um, my commercial experience, I was in academia. I was a research fellow at the Harvard School of Public Health for several years um, and applying uh, technology to clinical decision support, um, and uh, there were a number of reasons why i um, I, I decided to leave Boston um, at the time uh, my wife and I h- had a very bad winter day where both of us were uh, had accidents uh, with re- <laughs> on with regard to black ice uh, and and uh, you know my wife said i'm a i'm a walnut creek girl um I'm out of here. Are you with me and uh, so <laughs> Um, that was it for academia for me, and uh, I joined an, an artificial intelligence group at IBM uh, in Palo Alto, and and uh, and that was the start of my commercial career. Uh, I will say one other thing, which is that I'm I'm one of the few chief technology officers in Silicon Valley who would admit to having a PhD in cognitive psychology, um, and uh, my my PhD thesis uh, indicated my emerging interest in healthcare technology. It was a decision analytic approach to choosing therapy for thyroid cancer. So my, my interest in, in healthcare technology goes back uh, quite a long way and um, uh, has been an inter- interwoven thread throughout my career. Awesome. So I'm sure everybody's
1: wondering, what is 22 Otters? <laughs>
0: um, well, there's what is 22 Otters and then why is 22 <laughs> Otters. Uh, and so um, the company itself is a, is a patient interaction technology platform and service. So um, the the original idea, as proposed to Vinod Kozla, was that um, interaction with patients outside the clinic is becoming more important every day uh, to, to help patients uh, prepare for and recover from uh, acute uh, tests and procedures, but also uh, with ongoing care for chronic illnesses. And so having an outreach platform that can remind, assess, and coach patients and motivate them. In their language, uh, via their channel, their preferred channel of communication, and at whatever time is, imp- is is makes sense in terms of what they need to do for their own health, uh, that there was a crying need for that kind of a, a, of a service and platform, and so that's what mm-hmm. 22 Otters is as to as to why 22 Otters um, and, and why did did uh, do I, I want to get into that? I can tell you a, a quick story about um, uh, my wife's experience at a large a healthcare provider in the Bay Area that shall remain nameless. Um, uh, she had a, uh, a procedure that was, um, you know, a, 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 an eye procedure. And, at the, and I went to pick her up and the nurse brought out this 12 page stapled um, printout from the electronic health record and said, are you the caregiver? I said, yes. And he, and he said, OK, I want to tell you about the three most important things you need to do for your wife's health tonight. I said, great. And he said, turn to the bottom of page six. And I said, okay, well, well, why is the less important stuff in the first five and three quarters pages? And so, you know, I said to him, what what if, you know, you could just push a button and I would automatically have all those things that I need to do for my wife with regard to medications, checking for adverse events and, you know, even simpler stuff and follow up visits and all that, all those reminders and coaching came into me automatically into my smartphone or via a phone call or a text message. Um, and you didn't need to do a thing. And, and he said, that sounds miraculous. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And I said, I've got that miracle for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, but anyway, at that point it was in my head, uh, but, now, right. but now it's out and helping patients and and in reality. The name itself I know is a topic of interest to everybody, so I get that over with early. Um, it arises from our, our capacity to do big data and analytics. We wanted a name that could be conveyed to patients um, that needed to go, say, to the App Store and find an app. We wanted a name that could be conveyed to them, and they would have trouble forgetting it. Um, right. And so we did work on Amazon Mechanical, Mechanical Turk, which is a crowdsourced data platform. And we, we recorded a lot of names. We distracted people, and then we asked them to type in as many as they could remember. And for whatever reason, 22 orders won. And so it is meaningless but memorable.
1: Yep, great. No, that's a... Uh, uh, that's exactly the qualities I find in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so, so the, the platform itself that we're developing, we wanted a name that was more resonant with healthcare professionals, and so that is that is shipping under the banner Care Sparks. Care Sparks, that's correct. Okay, great.
1: Um, you mentioned a couple times uh, that this is a platform. What do you mean by that
0: for the uh, audience that's listening? Great question. So it, it is a. A runtime platform that communicates in two directions with patients via a voice call text message or smartphone application um, and and so it literally is a, a platform that can automatically switch among those different channels uh, and it can take requests to switch languages we've done English Spanish Mandarin Cantonese Dutch Haitian Creole um, and quite a few other languages and that means uh, in text and in voiceover, and even the ability to ask the smartphone a question uh, and, and have the answer come back in the right language. So you can ask the question of, of the smartphone, you know, in Spanish, you know, when do I need to stop taking my blood thinners? And you know, you can get an immediate automated answer in Spanish that's consistent with what your doctor would want you to hear. That's the other sense in which it is a platform. We have a pre-production or pre-runtime system that quickly will convert existing patient instruction sets from providers into application uh, content. So reminders, uh, coaching dialogues, um, assessment and monitoring dialogues that can be conveyed to patients either via voice call, text message, or the, the smartphone application. So it's a platform in both the runtime delivery sense and also the sense of quickly converting existing materials into our application. So that way, you know, I can go into a provider shop and say, you do not have to use our content. We will match yours exactly using our service.
1: Very nice. So you, you gave us the scenario of what um, the scenario that you and your wife experienced, which I love that. Um, so often that's the inspiration for solutions is personal experience and a sense of what the target solution, uh, what target solution might be possible. Can you give us a scenario of how it works now specifically with 22 otters?
0: Sure. I'll give you a couple. Um, and it does work, I, I should point out. Awesome. <laughs> uh, it's been in the field uh, helping patients. There's been over, I think at this stage, over 12,000 patients that have used the system uh, nice. in in a variety of use cases ranging from uh, uh, gastroenterology procedure prep and discharge to neurosurgery prep and discharge to Um, You know, we're on the brink of of launching a service for pulmonary function test, uh, you know, reminders and and filling in open slots at uh, San Francisco General. Uh, So, um, and we've been we've been uh, helping patients with regard to uh, gastroenterology or colonoscopy prep to discharge at uh, San Mateo uh, for quite Mm -hmm. some time. So, yes, we have we have great data on efficacy, uh, on return on investment, where we can show providers that they can they can gain revenue, uh, you know, substantial revenue on a monthly basis by, by having advance warning of no-shows and late cancellations so that they can fill in new patients into those slots in time to reduce their, you know, their open slot uh, volume on a daily basis. And we've got data showing.
1: Nice. Awesome. Let me just uh, pause there for a second. Uh, I start to see and want to highlight how it is a platform. You're, you're able to slowly add different types of procedures or different types of patient experiences as you move forward. So you're doing GI, right? I just had my colonoscopy probably two months ago, and I was uh, amazed at how confusing the PrEP procedure was. Uh-huh. And I, of course, have never had one, and so it's all new to me. Um, and kind of the directions and everything are, are written as if I know what's going on. Um, and so uh, to have something that would make that Um, what I would call user-centered, would be incredible.
0: Well, let me, so let me describe that exactly. So I'm glad you brought up colonoscopy. So, um, you know, at San Mateo, at Mass General, at a number of endoscopy centers, um, a patient, let's say, who is a Spanish speaker, uh, would get a Spanish pushed notification into a smartphone four o'clock before the colonoscopy and say, it's it's time to start drinking that evil liquid. Um, Well, different words. And then in Spanish, we can do turn-by-turn vocal directions for patients mixing laxatives. So you can put the device down on the kitchen counter or the bathroom countertop, and it will talk you through the job of of mixing the laxative and drinking it. We will then, you know, every 15 minutes, we'll sound trumpets, get you back to drink more, um, you know, and then, Mm -hmm. then we can ask you questions. The morning of the appointment, we can give you actual directions on getting to the endoscopy center and where to park and how soon to arrive. And all those questions that come in and get answered by nurses who, or, or others yeah. that are, you know, could be fairly high-priced clinical talent. You don't want them spending time saying, oh, don't bring any jewelry or bring identification or here's where you park or whatever. Right. And, and we can do all of that and intercept those questions at home. So it is definitely an efficiency gain. Uh, it is a, an increased revenue um, opportunity as we get more patients in for their, um, for their colonoscopy. Uh, it is an outcome improver. So we have data showing that folks that use our service um, uh, have uh, cleaner bowels, basically, by the Ottawa yeah. scale. You know? uh, yep, better prep. Better prep, exactly. and, and therefore better... Better procedure. Yeah, you know, better identification yeah. Of, of tumors, better outcomes, and, and so forth. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and, and we can do this in multiple languages. So what really is relevant to the, you know, the Innovation Hub you know, Safety Net uh, Consortium, uh, we are focused a lot on... On, on folks that, that, that are the typical patient base, both in terms of meeting them on their lingual turf with their language, um, but also any kind of channel. You know? So we can automatically swap. If somebody has downloaded the app, but, but ha- isn't using it, which is very rare, actually. We have 95% usage data uh, percentage what, for once somebody has gotten the app. But if they, if they are not responding, then we'll automatically switch to phone. Uh, if mm-hmm. on phone, uh, we might ask for an opt-in to go to text message as a, as a superior platform. So we have this way of switching back and forth to get to the, the right channel for that patient. And then finally, um, we have spent a lot of time. There are challenges in getting people on board with the system through a typical um, hospital's uh, you know, staff uh, ecosystem. Uh, because you know, staff members uh, you know, are busy. You know, they, you know, they, they are extremely busy. And so helping patients get on board with the service is something that you know they don't have a lot of time for so this is this is something you haven't asked about learnings yet but i'll just tell you one of our learnings that one of our learnings is uh and one of our challenges is you know how best to tell patients about this this service and get them on board without disturbing the clinical workflow and so over time we have we have generated you know the right kind of um you know cards to be handed out in multiple languages we now have video and multiple languages, et cetera. And we know enough to ask a patient, um, you know, do you know your iTunes password? If not, can you tell me somebody in your household that does and is willing to, to help you download the application? Um, and if they don't download the application, can we send you these reminders about how to prep for your upcoming appointment using text messaging? You know, so it's, it's, hard, it's hard to do all of that because it's very involved. But once you, once you learn all the pitfalls, um, it is not rocket science to build in the right functionality and the right communications content in order to clear those those hurdles.
1: Awesome. I'm glad you started talking a little bit about um, not just the challenges, but the notion of working with a, with a health care institution. And so um, you're working with the, the innovation hubs, which are in the safety net. Um, can you just give us the quick background and how that came about?
0: Uh, yeah, well, I even before starting the company, I, I knew Mike Arato from um, for San, San Mateo Medical Center, um, and once we once we got to the point of, of having you know a working system for GI, I chatted with him uh, and said, you know, would you like to work together on this and see if we could get more patients in for their colonoscopies and better prepped? And he was all over it, mm-hmm. um, and so that nice. that was the start. We also happened to be to, our office happens to be like a few miles from uh, San Mateo Medical Center, so. Uh, it was a great, uh, a great opportunity, great collaboration. Uh, and Mike's been great, uh, you know, and, and a tremendous, um, you know, source of information. And he's a, you know, he's a smart guy and, and, and a great background for even helping us tune as we were going through all of this. Um, awesome. so, so, yeah, so that was, um, that was great. And we, we, you know, we have shown, you know, sort of improved uh, access um, and, you know, we have shown, you know, improved or reduced open slots and so forth. We also have data showing great patient engagement numbers in terms of people telling us that we've reminded them of steps of prep that would have they would have forgotten otherwise. Uh, and And also just the perception of the provider improves mm-hmm. by virtue of the fact that, okay, I have more interaction with San Mateo Medical Center uh, because it is their application, you know that i'm that I'm interacting with at home. And they do see that as an extension of the San Mateo Medical Center brand. I
1: want to ask a question about um, just stepping back from that because you you named so many important, some might call them metrics um, or dimensions of healthcare that can be improved. Can you just talk a little bit about the opportunity you see for not only twenty two otters but other technology to um, innovate in healthcare?
0: Absolutely. So you know, as we move from fee for service to payment for for outcome. Um, You know, bundle payment, value based reimbursement, um, you know, payment for reduced readmissions uh, and then the new chronic care management billing code, which rewards providers for effective remote monitoring and management uh, and 20 minutes per month of connection with patients with two chronic conditions over the course of a year. There's there's real revenue to be made leveraging technology Um, and there are real efficiency gains to be had. Leveraging technology of the kind that I'm talking about. Uh, and there are more and more providers that are <clears throat> understanding this as an opportunity. Um, that if in fact they can get more people showing up for their pulmonary function test, um, they can reduce wait time on important diagnostic tests, which improve outcomes, uh, improve access and perception of the of the patient. Uh, and also, you know, uh, there are additional, there's additional value with regard to meeting five-star and HEDIS metrics. Um, you know, identifying gaps in care um, for for chronic illness, or even childhood care, or or pregnant mom care, all of these things are what we do. And one thing I wanted to quickly mention because it's an important part of our platform: you mentioned slowly adding um, new use cases and, and scenarios, but we have um, over hundred of these cases now. Uh, we have spent three years and a, a, a you know a crackerjack clinical team and our own tool set to build many many dialogues for a whole variety of use cases, you know, ranging from, I've talked about GI, but neurosurgery, ortho, you know, hip, knee, and, uh, and, and spine surgery, um, you know, uh, or OBGYN, uh, you know, and, and then chronic illness, so diabetes, obesity, uh, CHF. Um, and so we have a very, very wide repository of these dialogue and interaction templates which means that if there's somebody in your audience that looks thinks about this technology and says, I wonder if we could quickly get something up and running, I, I think the answer is almost certainly yes, because we, we've gone the first 25 miles of the marathon building these templates. Right. We could go to a provider who has a specific use case and say, great, just send us whatever te- you know, PDFs you have, whatever patient instruction sets you have, um, and then we will go the final mile, 1.2 miles or whatever of the marathon, and right. we can do that literally in days and be up and running quickly.
1: So this is good. This is a topic I hadn't anticipated. I want to ask two questions. One, what is the actual time um, uh, to get up and running with something like this if somebody's interested? But then that second one, which r- was really interesting, is so you convert their existing documents. They don't
0: have to adopt your way of doing it. That's correct. And not only that, it's turnkey. So we, we, it's, it's really simple. So take us, take us through an implementation. Sure. So- you know, I mean, let's let's pick, you know, like um, knee replacement and ortho or what have you. Um, you know, I, I would say, OK, why don't you give us whatever patient instructions or websites or videos or whatever that you currently give patients now? That's all you need to do is treat us as you would a patient and just send us you know, all that content. We have a team that absorbs that basically. And then uses our existing templates for prep and discharge for ortho, which, by the way, includes things like MRSA decolonization, um, so forth, and uh, Mm -hmm. looking for adverse events after the surgery um, and follow up visits and all that. But basically what we do then is we use our own WYSIWYG dialogue developer tool set to make modifications to, you know, to the current templates that we've got. And you might say, look, I need I want Vietnamese. You know, I want Vietnamese and Russian in addition to English and Spanish. Then that would enter our workflow. We would go to health-savvy translators. We would go to voiceover specialists for those languages. And literally within a couple of weeks, we would basically have you know, a rich application in those different languages. We would have IVR, you know, automated call uh, prompts in those different languages, and text message dialogues in those languages for the, that ortho use case.
1: Great. So that part of the process, once they hand it over, you control and obviously... Um... That's part of your business, and you're, you're implementing that. What does it take to integrate into their technology systems?
0: Right. Well, so one thing is, you know, um, we, we iterate. So we send, you know, we send our content back in a very consumable doc, Word doc fashion. Uh, people have a chance to modify it however they want. And, and then we can do, you know, iterations to make sure that the provider is happy with what they're telling patients, and it's exactly consistent with what they want. So, yes, we're doing that service, but our goal is to meet you know, the content that's required by the provider. Exactly.
1: So the, the bigger question I have, it doesn't have anything to do with the great technology that the entrepreneur is bringing. It has to do with how hard is
0: that and what does that take? No, that's a great question. So let me, let me describe that um, because you're right. I mean, in order for us not to be using staff time for doing double entry, which is, which is death, right? I mean, that's, right. that's, that's right. fatal, right? And so what you need is you need some level of systems integration. So our servers, which are HIPAA compliant, et cetera, our servers understand what patient is coming in for what procedure when. And then what is the mapped instruction set for that patient? So that's what we do now. So, uh, and, and we do it in a way that, um, it, that doesn't necessarily require um, tight API level integration with the health, with the EHR or the scheduling system, and, and here's how we do it. We show them how they can output a CSV file from the scheduler or the EHR on a daily basis in an automated way. Um, and then we can give them a chunk of code which can take that and do a secure FTP to our servers on a daily basis or it could be an hourly basis of that file. We look at that file and we absorb it into our system and of course we do, we have in place encryption and all of that. But we, we do a, you know, a comparison of the current file with the last file, and that way we can automatically see who has canceled, you know, who has rescheduled, um, who, who are the new, new, new patients, and so forth. And then what happens is um, we can do a, a phone call or a text message to the patient, invite them to get the app. The patient then goes through, and when they register, they just basically can put in like a birth date, like a small vector of information that allows us to match on the patient from our servers. And then we can automatically pipe into that device exactly the instruction set that the provider has has mapped to that patient. And before you ask, I mean, it's very easy for a nurse or a, provi- or a doctor using a secure dashboard to say this patient's an exception. You know, like my default instruction set for you know knee replacement is this one, instruction X. Um, but for this patient, I would like it to be instruction X prime. And it's mm-hmm. very easy using a secure dashboard that we have. For them to see, uh, to make that change. And by the way, using the dashboard, they can see that a patient has a red light um, because they have not finished their, you know, their prep. They haven't done their mercy decolonization, or they haven't mixed their laxatives, or they haven't arranged for a ride home, even though they're going to be sedated. And this is extremely valuable. At a glance, a nurse can see if they're going to spend any time at all with, with phone based patient outreach, here are the patients that they should contact. And if the patient has a green light, don't call those patients. And it's a great time saver and efficiency gain.
1: Awesome. So um, I think this is the most technical conversation we've had on health pilots yet.
0: Well, but so let me just interject because, yes, I'm, tech, I'm a CTO, former, I'm a reformed CTO, okay? Uh, but let me just say this the patients don't think of it as technical, as, as, right? We have an avatar, we have an avatar that speaks in their language to them. Uh, we have an avatar that will that will answer, understand questions and answer those questions automatically. So this to them is a very personal experience. We have recorded patient stories um, and persona that they can pick. So let's say if it's a if it's a black you know urban male um, and they, they're they're wavering on whether they go to their colonoscopy, we have you know like an avatar persona that comes up and in a recorded voice in a langu- in sort of an argot that the the patient would would you know find accessible you know, the patient says, hey, I wasn't going to get a colonoscopy either, but this is why I went. You know, I found out that it wasn't that big a deal and it, it could get rid of cancer for me, you know, and so, you know, it is a human personal experience for the patient.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, there's the two sides of it. And I think um, you obviously wouldn't be working at San Mateo and the hubs um, if you didn't pass all the uh, rigorous evaluation that they did. So oh, yeah. um, I think that that has spoken for itself.
0: And then finally, I should mention that We have also tuned our business model so that we are very welcoming of risk-sharing models with the safety nets um, that would require low or no upfront cost and where we would share in the additional revenue from reduced no-shows, et cetera.
1: So stepping back, what have you learned from kind of pursuing these installations at San Mateo or getting ready for San
0: Francisco General? Um, Well, several things. Um, The user experience is paramount, Um, and the bar is set very high. You know, um, three different channels, many languages, um, you know, human speech recognition uh, and, and content that you could tell the patient is exactly what their physician would want them to hear. And it's not our content. It is San Mateo Medical Center's content. Um, and that, so that's absolutely non optional. And then also all the work and the, and the add on kind of technology that's needed to teach patients about it and to and to get adoption, um, you know, of one or more channels. Um, and like I said, the videos for bringing patients up to speed, how to avoid double entry with regard to the staff to keep them totally on board. All of that is a series of incremental enhancements to our platform uh, that has taken, you know, years. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what I would say is, you know, the key. There's a, a tiny, a, a, you know, dozens of tiny enhancements. Um, you know, so, you know, if somebody doesn't know, be prepared for somebody not to know their iTunes password and, and very quickly. You know, get them to talk to the right person within their social ecosystem. Uh, Right, exactly. Or move them quickly onto another channel, so that you you've got you you maintain the the attention span of the of the patient.
1: This has become one of the insights I think we have for um, uh, the audience who are evaluating how to get started with these pilots and uh, making sure you're mapping those workflows, so that you understand what what tasks and what roles everybody is playing, and then. Now you map the solution on it and look at what it eliminates, but what what are the new things it adds? Yes. So you didn't have to find iTunes passwords before, but being cognizant of that and, and seeing that as part of the implementation process or activity that you're actually seeing the implications of adopting it and the benefits and the new challenges that might come up. So
0: No, very good statement. Eh? Chris, there's one thing I want to quickly point out, which is that we do have this very, very ambitious solution with smartphone and voice recog, you know, all that, but... Um, your audience members can get started very, very um, quickly and simply uh, with you know, a simple automated voice call system to make sure that patients get enter their tests for their appointments and, and do it in multiple languages and you know, via, via voice call or text. And, and this mm-hmm. is something that just isn't done you know, perhaps as, as efficiently or as, um, as well effectively as it could be. And we know this from talking to a number of providers. Uh, and so that solution is extremely quick and easy to get up and running, uh, and could have like a major benefit in terms of the patient outcome, uh, patient perception of the provider, but also just the, the provider efficiencies and revenue from, from being able to bill for, for a more complete and, you know, uh, schedule of, of visits. Nice. I
1: mean, I think there's a, there's a lesson in there just from, a Uh, getting started or implementation or innovation standpoint itself, which is if, for example, if this solution can start small, don't, don't build up the potential implications all the way, you know, five years we'll eventually be doing that. Let's get started with one piece of it, show that, demonstrate the value that will build more momentum in your organization to add additional dimensions or um, uh, ambition for solving even more things and getting more efficient or.
0: Yeah. Exactly. San Mateo, worked. the focus from the beginning was the app, but at San Francisco General, the focus initially is on automated voice calls, you know, to patients in different languages. Uh, and, then, and then having like the feedback loop to the schedulers so that it's very, very simple for them to, to you know, slot new patients in and to, and to really, you know, improve their efficiencies and also reduce wait time dramatically for patients. But that's like an extremely you know, easy and simple thing to get started with. Uh, and then, you know, the long-range roadmap could include, okay, let's, let's add other languages, let's add the, the smartphone app, and, and, you know, let's go other places. But you don't have to start there. You can start very quickly and simply. Nice.
1: Last question. What advice do you have? And I'm going to ask this from a kind of an uh, entrepreneur standpoint. What would you, advice would you have for them as they start to approach and try to work and get their solution adopted by... Healthcare institutions,
0: I think, have a top-notch user experience. a uh, pers- lead on your team, uh, somebody who, who really understands how to uh, how to make the user experience for patients uh, usable, but also enjoyable, engaging, effective. But and then as, as well to treat the the social ecosystem and the user experience for the clinical staff the same way, uh, and to understand what the you know what are the barriers you know what kind of time you know do they have what is their preference in terms of working together with patients on this uh, so that it's something that they are pumped about and, uh, you know, and and are heartily recommending to patients. Uh, But having somebody on point, you know, who is top-notch with regard to analyzing these problems and then working with the engineering team to refine uh, a solution, you know, for those dual challenges with regard to user experience, I think is key.
1: Awesome. I think that's one of the most Important things is to understand the context in which your solution is trying to exist, and to have a an end user experience and a you know the the experience of everybody implementing implementing that solution, whether it's staff, etc. Uh, they're they users too, right? Absolutely. To, uh, uh, you can have the greatest technology, but if it's too hard to adopt, um, it's going to put a real uh, dent in your success.
0: <laughs> that's a great that's a great comment, and that means also having the right. Um, partnerships where, you know, you're working with a vendor that is able to recognize a, a, a voice message machine from a human and be able to react accordingly. You know, I mean, we don't do that. We use a vendor for that, but you've got to shop around and make sure you've got the right vendor that, and then to maximize your outreach to patients, your successful ability to get in touch with them via whatever channel makes sense. Um, so it's, it's complicated. And so having the right team is important.
1: Bob, thank you so much for taking time today. Um, uh, not only taking time, but applying your talents, your uh, experience in the safety net to increase access to care, make great patient experiences. It's really inspiring.
0: Chris, uh, it was it was great uh, chatting with you. Great questions, great comments. It um, was it was a, it was a, a fun a fun experience.
1: Nice. Where where can people go to learn more about Twenty Two Otters?
0: Uh, Well, um, 22Otters.com, or um, you can write me directly, and I'm Bob, B-O-B, at 22Otters.com, 22Otters.com.
1: Awesome. We'll include that um, and links in the show notes. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to Health Pilots, a podcast that brings you ideas, inspiration, and advice to pilot new solutions for care in the safety net. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. We hope you take what you learn from the show and try it on your own. For more great ideas and inspiration, visit our website, www.theinnovationhubs.org. While there, subscribe with your email to receive our latest content as soon as it's released. Our show is made possible by the California Healthcare Foundation. Visit them at www.chcf.org. Health Pilots is a production of the Center for Care Innovations. Learn about all their great work to foster innovation in the safety net at www.careinnovations.org. We'll see you on the next episode of Health Pilots.